Habakkuk chapter 2 this morning. Habakkuk chapter 2. We'll read through the chapter. Let's have a word of prayer before we read through it. <clears throat> and then we'll read through this chapter. And um, then we're going to focus on one verse this morning. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word? Would you open our hearts to receive all that you have? May it not be, Lord, that we miss it, but Lord, may we see your way, your heart, and your plan for us. And oh, Lord, may you take the thoughts and the words and communicate them to us in such a way, Lord, that we are changed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Habakkuk chapter 2. So the good thing about, about preaching from a book like Habakkuk is you get to find out where it is in the Bible. Uh, because uh, it's quite possible that we would all stand before God one day and meet the prophet Habakkuk and say, yeah, there was a book, but I never really got around to it. Right? <clears throat> but we know where it is. We can actually uh, look to it. He has an important message for us here. Uh, it's one thing for us to be in a place where our faith soars. Uh, when we have good things going on. It's a totally different thing for us to be in a place uh, where things are not working out. And Habakkuk is the prophet that just lays out how to have victory and triumphant faith even when things are not going the way you want them to go. And in all honesty, that's much more our experience than everything going along just nicely for us. Huge protection and help for us here uh, as far as our faith is concerned. Habakkuk chapter 2, though. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Right? <clears throat> so Habakkuk is upset. Uh, he wants revival, but instead he's getting judgment coming on the nation and he's upset and he says, okay, I'm, I'm, right? <clears throat> if that's the way God wants it, I'm going to stand on my watch and I'm going to wait and see what he says. We're not good at waiting, but that's a very important spiritual discipline, to wait on God and see what he's going to say to us uh, on those occasions. Right? <clears throat> and the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it, surely, uh, it will surely come, it will not tarry. <clears throat> Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. We're going to find it several times in the Bible. But just that the just shall live by his faith. Yea, also because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth uh, that which is not his? How long, and to him that ladeth himself with thick clay? Shall they not rise up suddenly, that shall bite thee, and awake that vex thee, and thou shalt be for booties unto them? Uh, because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee because of men's blood and for the violence of the land of the city and, for <clears throat> all, and of all that dwell therein. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people and hast sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood, and establisheth a city by iniquity. Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that uh, the people shall labor in the very fire, and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth the bo thy bottle to him, that makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look upon their naked 
nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Uh, drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee, and the spoils of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and, and of all that dwell therein. What profited the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it, the molten image and the teacher of lies that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols? Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, there is no breath in it in, in all the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple, that all the earth keep silence before him. <clears throat> all right, now I'll give you the background. In chapter 1, we saw this. We saw Habakkuk had been through uh, great times of revival in his life. He had seen God do great things under King Josiah. King Josiah is gone now. Uh, they're into their second king after King Josiah. And things are going from bad to worse. The nation is just going down. They're in idolatry, they're in all kinds of wickedness, and Habakkuk is seeing the violence, he's seeing the wickedness, his soul is weary, and he's crying out to God, he's saying, God, you've got to do something, they're, they're wicked, they're doing wrong, and it's getting worse, Lord, you've got to fix the situation, and God says, I am, I'm going to send in the Babylonians, and Habakkuk says, what? Things are bad, and you're going to make them worse? And he can't understand what it is that God is going to do. And, and he's struggling with this whole thing and, and arguing with God. Now, when we come to chapter 2, God is telling him, yeah, well, I'm going to judge Israel, but then I'm going to judge Babylon. I'm going, to, I'm going to take and I'm going to deal with Babylon, which is some comfort to him because it means justice is going to be done in the end. The only problem is that between now and when Babylon's going to get its 70-year period. So, for the next 70 years, Babylon is going to go on a rampage, and they're going to destroy <clears throat> Israel, and they're going to do what they like, basically. And then God's going to decide to judge them, then God's going to deal with them. But <clears throat> in chapter 2 and in verse uh, <clears throat> 4, we have the key to this whole book, the turning point of this whole book. Right? Everything kind of pivots upon this verse. This verse is so important that basically three New Testament books, uh, you know, <clears throat> you couldn't say it's the theme of them, but it's definitely a major part of three New Testament books. We'll look at them in a second. But in, in, in verse 4, uh, it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, <clears throat> what does it mean to Habakkuk that the just are going to live by faith? I mean, there's going to be death and destruction all around me, but I'm going to live by faith? What exactly do you mean? Well, we have to kind of tease this now, because we'll look at this verse in two contexts, right? First of all, we're going to look at this context, and it's a general context that applies to every area of your life. Every area of your life gets touched by this idea of the just shall live by faith. Then the Apostle Paul is going to take it in the book of Romans, and he's going to pitch it to us, and it's going to be very... It's going to be connected very closely to salvation. They just shall live by faith. And that's powerful. We'll talk about that one in a minute, how, how that works. But I, I want us to catch the general view of it here in Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk wasn't thinking of salvation when he was thinking of this. He wasn't thinking of what, was going to happen, what Paul was going to write in the book of Romans. He didn't know Paul. He didn't have any idea of all that was going to go on. He was dealing with his own situation uh, when God had him write this down. And, and he says, the just shall live by his faith. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you when you're facing trials? What does that mean when you're, when you're facing things that you really don't have um, 
a, a way of working out. You see, that's what Habakkuk's doing. He's looking, listen, bad days are coming. Hot, tough days are coming. Days that, are, I, that I won't, I'm not going to like are coming. What does it mean to him that the just shall live um, by faith? <clears throat> what do you do when evildoers come to power? God is saying the just shall live by faith. It sounds like cold comfort, but let's, let's think it through and tease it through, tease it through here for a second. <clears throat> First of all, it's to people who are just. It's to people who are righteous who are walking with God. That's what this verse is to. The just are going to live by faith. Now, how do you live by faith? What is faith in this context? Faith is the most important thing about us, but we have a hard time getting our heads around the reality of what faith is. We have a hard time actually taking it and applying it in the cut and thrust, in the day-to-day living of life. What does it mean for me to have faith? What does it mean for Habakkuk to have faith when evildoers come to power? What does it mean when his prayers... No one answered to, have, uh, to, to live by faith. W- when your dreams turn to ashes, uh, when somebody gets cancer, when <clears throat> you have a wayward child, uh, when you lose your job, when your marriage is breaking up, well, what does it mean that just shall live by faith? Right? Well, the New Testament tells us this. The New Testament t- tells us that faith, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And faith is the substance of things unseen. Faith is, the, is, 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 is us trusting in a rewarding God even when it doesn't look good. Faith is trusting in a rewarding God, trusting that God's got it in hand even when things look really difficult. That's what faith is. It's all too easy for us to have faith when everything's going well, you know. <clears throat> When the bells are paid and the car's running right and everybody in the house is well, you know, when the sun is shining and it's looking good, it's very easy to have faith. In fact, you don't really need any faith for that, do you? You know, in those days, you know, just, just times are good. But that's not the norm of life, is it? The norm of life is there's something. Sometimes it's something small. Sometimes it's something major. But there's something in the mix of things that is a disaster as far as we're concerned. Something in the mix of things that really we can't fix. Something in the mix of things that's beyond us. Something that's more than we're able to manage. That's where faith comes in. Faith comes in in the place where I am trusting the God who has promised to do me good, even though it looks really bleak. Now, now let me try and explain it to you by explaining the opposite of it, opposite of it first. Dealt with an issue uh, with somebody this week, and <clears throat> it was absolutely heartbreaking to me. Right? I presented a problem to them, a, a, a difficulty in their life, <clears throat> you know, that they're facing, and it's just the, the, nothing they can do about it. It's a difficulty in their life, and this person completely unraveled before my eyes. And what I watched was, I watched the demonstration of somebody who had no faith. There was no God in the situation. It was just problem or problem, and they couldn't cope with it, and they didn't have anyone to help them with it, and they were just dealing with the situation, and they couldn't deal with it. Now, that's no faith. No faith, no trust. There is no God. Now, is it possible for a believer to live like that? Mm Mm-hmm. We can do it. We can do it. When the crisis comes, we can go, oh no, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. And we immediately go into the place where it's a catastrophe. Now, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have faith. We're supposed to say, the Lord's got this in hand. 
the Lord's got his hand on this situation. It's going to be okay. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he always does me good. I know he's going to do me good now. So even though the situation is not what I want, even though the situation looks impossible, even though there's no way out of it as far as I'm concerned, the Lord's in the situation and he's going to do me good. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to trust him. And because I trust him, I'm going to be safe. You see, here's, here's where Habakkuk comes to. Habakkuk, Habakkuk can't change the fact that the Babylonians are coming. He can't change that. He's asked God. God's not changing it. God's not for changing on this one. God's decided he's doing it and he's going to go through it. And, and Habakkuk can't change that. But you know what? Habakkuk can trust in the goodness of God even in the crisis. So that when the crisis is over, Habakkuk is going to look back and say, that was awful. But God took care of me. Now Habakkuk can't dictate how God is going to take care of him. He wants to. What Habakkuk is saying is he's doing what we all do, right? He said, God, I have an idea here, right? Or, and this is a good idea. You need to really take this on board, Lord. But when King Josiah was on the throne, everything was going really just well. Things were, things were, things were going from, from better to better. Things were just getting better all the time. And, you know, now he's gone and things are falling apart. If you raise up somebody like him and you could do it like that, God, isn't that the kind of faith we want to have? We want to have faith to trust God to do what we think needs to be done in the situation. That's the kind of faith we want to have. That's the kind of faith that we're kind of, we're, we're kind of drawn to. We're, we're, we're going to trust God. Yeah, we're going to, we're, God, God's going to work it out my way. I know he is. I know he is. I know he is. And when he doesn't, I fall on my face and I'm, I'm ruined. I'm destroyed. But, you know, where Habakkuk has come to is the place where, okay, so he's not going to change this. He's going to bring the Babylonians in. But the just shall live by his faith. I am going to be okay because of God. I can't see anything in this situation that looks okay to me. I can't see anything that I want in this situation. But I'm going to be okay because the just shall live by faith. I'm going to be okay because the God who is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, is going to find some way to reward me in this situation. Have you been there? Have you been in that place where you're in a dreadful situation and God worked it out and you went, that's amazing. That wasn't what you planned. It wasn't what you thought was going to happen. Perhaps there were elements of it that you really didn't want in your life. But God worked them out. God's in the business of doing that in our lives. You know, it doesn't take any faith for us to live in comfortable times. It really doesn't. It doesn't take any relationship with God in that sense. You know, comfortable times, we really don't need Him. <clears throat> then, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do right anyway, but, but we don't need Him. But it's when it comes to that area of your life, and you say, this is a disaster. Lord, stop it. Change it. Turn it around. Take this thing away from me. I don't want it. You know, and, and what we do is we pin our faith to a prayer like that. Lord, fix the situation. I can't deal with it. Fix it. And hidden behind it is this idea. If you don't, Lord, I'm out. If you don't fix it the way I need it fixed, then I'm out. I don't know how I can go on with you if you don't do this. And we almost think like we're going to blackmail God, don't we? It's amazing. You know, here we are, tiny little creatures, and we know we're tiny. 
And um, we sometimes think, you know what, I, I'll, I'll make him turn it around. Or you know what I'll do? What I'll do is I'll cry out to him. I'll cry every night, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make such a din. Because the Bible says, you know, if you cry all the time, and if you really get serious about it, and your importunity, that'll change his mind. Right? <clears throat> and I'll make him change his mind. Or, you know, and we, we, we've got all these mechanisms where, where we're going to make God change his mind. And, you know, sometimes God just doesn't change his mind. Now, by the way, if you want something that demolishes all your preconceived notions about how you can twist God's heart and change God's heart and make him do what you want him to do, go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's Jesus, his only son, whom he loved more than anything else. And Jesus is asking him to take away the cup. He didn't want the cross. Everything that was human in him did not want the cross. Everything that was there wanted him to take it away. He's the father. He could have taken it away. He could have said, okay, son, no problem. Come on, come home. Not, not your sin, not your battle. Come on, you don't have to go through this. But you know what? He didn't. He let his son go through it. And I am so glad he did. I am so glad on that occasion that he let his son go through it. You see, he had a plan in mind. He planned to save me and a plan to save you. And Jesus going through it was an essential part of that plan. Now, <clears throat> you know what? There are things happening in your life and things that will happen in your life. And you're going to look at me and say, but Lord, I don't want this. This is not, this is not what I want. But the Master has a plan. And he's going to bring you through it. And what he asks for you, of you, in the dark day is, will you trust me? Now, you can't see it. I know it doesn't feel good. Will you trust me? Will you trust that I love you? And that I will take care of you? Will, will you put yourself in my hands? That We're going to do this thing, and it's not what you want, but it's going to be good. Will you trust me? And... Here, two things happen when we trust. First of all, the heart of our Father is pleased. I don't think we ever do anything that pleases Him more than in that moment when we trust Him. I don't think we're capable of doing anything that pleases Him more. The best we ever get to is, is, is trusting, because He's the doer of all of it. But when we trust Him, <clears throat> His heart is pleased. But you know what happens to you? When you trust him, you go, ah, oh, I know it's coming down the road. But it doesn't matter because I know who's doing it. I don't know what he's going to ask of me, but I'm in his hands. It's okay. And it all changes. The worry, the fear, the terror, the dread all drains out of it. We want to drain the fear out of our situations by God changing them and making them what we want. And God says, that's not the way to deal with it. Just Trust me. Trust me to take care of you even in the hard situation. So, what's the answer? When evildoers come to power, the just shall live by faith. Trust them. What's the answer when your prayers go unanswered? The just shall live by faith. Trust them. What do you do when your dreams turn to ashes? The just shall live by faith. Trust them. When you see trouble on every hand, the righteous man remembers that God is still on his throne, and when the dark clouds break overhead, he says to himself, the just shall live by faith. 
Now, that's not just you know, a little kind of a snippet of a verse that you kind of bounce around. That's a deep reality. I am going to trust him no matter what. And not only am I going to trust him, but he's going to come through. Maybe not like I expect. Maybe he's not going to do what I want him to do. But he is going to come through. And the reason he's going to come through is because he promised that he would. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So that what God is going to do in the situation is going to be the best. See, you and I think we know best, don't we? You and I look at our lives and, you know, we're living our lives. We know what we can face and we know what we can't face. And, you know, we look at the situation and we're sure we know best. But we don't know best. We know hardly anything, really. But he knows what's best. You know, when you're reading that account of the garden and Jesus is saying, Father, if it be possible, take this cup away. Isn't your heart going, yeah, take the cup away. Don't have him go through this. It's too much. But then you know that if he hadn't gone through it, you'd be lost in your sins and going to hell today. And you know, God says, I want you to trust me in those moments. I know best. Trust me. Yell to me. I'll take care of you. You know, let me ask you this, right? The problem that you're facing right now that looks like it's going to unravel you. And humanly speaking, that may be real. That may, may, you know, humanly speaking, it may like be like it's going to unravel you. Right? You're looking at a situation that, that 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 is really serious right now. Let me ask you: When you stand before Him in glory, are you going to look back at your life and say, "Yeah, you know, everything went well except for that time. God could have fixed it, but He didn't fix it. I'll never forgive Him for that." I mean, you could do that, but wouldn't you be absolutely a fool to do that? Isn't the reality that you're going to look back and you're going to say, yeah, he did that, but you know, and I didn't understand. And it felt like it was the end of me. But you know what? The blessings that have flowed from that event have been more than worth it. Because the Lord, who is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, has committed himself to it. He will reward. He he doesn't say, okay, you're my child from now on. No troubles for you. Uh, we want that. Sometimes, you know, we talk that. You know, sometimes we, you know, you know, you know we, we, we get into avenues of faith where if you trust God, He's going to do everything you... He never promises that. But He does promise that He will reward you, that He will take care of you, that He will look after you. <clears throat> Let me throw a couple of thoughts your way. Listen, the God who gave His Son to save you when you were a sinner and you hated him. Do you think that God is really going to let you hurt and say, serves him right? Now, I know all kinds of things. You know, we get the, well, well, I, you know what? It's my own fault that I have this problem. It's my own fault. Does God say, oh, I didn't know that. Well, this is your own fault. You know, <clears throat> you can have it. No, he doesn't. He gave his son for you when you were dying in your sin and going to hell all because of your own sin. And he said, you know what? He never gives up on you. He never drops you. He loves you. 
do you really think that he's going to let you go through a situation and just let it destroy you and he doesn't care? The enemy would like you to believe that, but that's not true. What he's going to do is he's going to take you through the situation. Sometimes he's going to take you through fire. Sometimes through the water. But he's not going to let them overcome you. And he's going to bring you out the other side of it stronger. Always. Because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, right theology is essential to you in the cut and thrust of life. You can have a happy, clappy theology that says, yeah, whatever I want, God's going to do. And you can be happy about it in your life if, if you like. But you know what? You're going to find that theology doesn't actually carry through. You're going to face something in your life where you're going to say, but this is not what I expected. This is not what I asked for. This is not what I wanted. You're, you're going to face it. You've got to have a, a right theology. You know, God's going to do tough things in my life, but I'm going to be okay because the just shall live by faith. And in the hard thing, the best way for you is going to be to say, just shall live by faith. I'm going to be okay. He's going to take care of me. I'm going to trust him to take care of me. I'm going to be okay because the just shall live by faith. That's the reality of life, spiritually speaking. And Habakkuk's getting it. Habakkuk's looking at a dreadful situation, but he's getting it. So he's going to come to the end of the book, and we'll read it again, because I absolutely love it. Chapter 3, the end of the, the, end of the flick over there in chapter 3, right? <clears throat> Verse 7, the Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now let me, let me try and translate that for you into <clears throat> um, 21st century terms, right? <clears throat> Although uh, there shall be no food in the shops, and there shall be no money in the bank. And uh, <clears throat> although there shall be no hope of food and no hope of money and no hope of anything, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, either he's lost the plot completely or he's learned something in this book. Either he's lost it completely or he's learned some truth that is going to sustain him, even in a day like that. <clears throat> the Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds' feet, and he will make me to walk in high places, right, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. <clears throat> so the Lord is my strength. I'm going to rejoice in him no matter what happens. Now, <clears throat> you know what? That's the place to live. Because no matter what happens, God's going to take care of me. I'm safe. You want security in your life? There's security there. I mean, you try and put enough money in the bank to have security, you're never going to get there. You're never going to get there. Because the financial system can go belly up. You know, you, you, you try and store enough food. You can't store enough food for the rest of your life. But you know what? When you look into the face of God and you say, okay, I'm depending upon you. I'm going to trust you. Whatever happens, you're going to take care of me. You're home and dry. You're safe. And it's the only safe place in the world. So what does that mean to you today? Well, it means that the situation that you're facing that looks like it's going to really do you in, 
you say, the just shall live by faith. I'm going to trust you, Lord, because you're going to take care of me. Even if, what I, even if the bad thing I think is going to happen does happen, you're going to take care of me. I'm going to be okay. You, you're going to bless me. You're going to reward me because you promised. And so I'm going to be okay. That's what you do with it. You, you, you do, the, do that situation. Now, let me backtrack a bit. It says the just shall live by faith. Do you know an essential part of faith is obedience. I can't be off in left field doing my own thing and saying the just shall live by faith. Because faith necessarily requires that I obey. And you say, well, Pastor, that's just the problem. I haven't been obeying. That's why I'm in the trouble I'm in. I understand that. That's probably the truth for most of us, even when we don't see it. But you know what? When I come to the place where I say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. You say, but, oh, but, Pastor, you don't know what you're saying. You don't know. You, he, I know what he wants me to do. It's going to make it worse. No, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. And you're going to obey God. Now, obeying God is not difficult. Right? Sometimes, oh man, it'd be very difficult. It's hard to work out what he wants. It's not. Obeying God for you today and me today is doing the next right thing I know to do. That's all it is, doing the next right thing. You know, I can't, I can't work all that's going to happen out because of what I do, but I can do the next right thing and trust him to take care of me. And so can you. You can do the next right thing. So, here we go. We're going to live by faith. We're going to trust Him to do the right thing by us because He promises He will. And we're going to obey. Now, let, 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 let me tell you what's going to happen. You're in a situation in your life right now and you think, this is, I can't work this out. Do the next right thing and trust that He will reward you. And I don't know how to explain this, but you may face a hard situation, but you'll be Okay. You may face great difficulties, but you'll be okay. Do you realize there's a peace that passeth all understanding? That means a peace that doesn't make sense. And you can have the peace that passes all understanding when you choose to trust and obey. You really can. Your life will work out. It's amazing what will happen. But you've got to step out and do it, step by step. You see, what happens to us is, like the poor person I was talking to you earlier about, when we face the crisis, sometimes what we do is we act like there's no God. There's no God. I'm on my own. I've got to work this out, and it's impossible. Life's going to collapse. No, there is a God. And He knows what to do. And the just shall live by faith. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to sit in my watch and watch what he does. And it's going to be amazing. And it always is. It's not necessarily what you want him to do. But it's always amazing. Because he's the God who can do all of it. But you need to trust him. The just shall live by faith. All right. <clears throat> That's a precious truth. I hope you catch that and apply it to your heart. Now let's go to the New Testament. We're going to look at what, what Paul did uh, <clears throat> uh, with this text and how it was applied and how it's affected generations since then. Right? <clears throat> Romans 1.17 For therein 
is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Right? Uh, Galatians 3.11, but that no man is justified by the law and the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. Now, they are not just thoughts in that book. They are key thoughts in those, both those books, and one other book as well, the book of Hebrews. Now, that just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But again, the just shall live by faith. So the first thing this verse reveals to us in the New Testament is this, uh, that it reveals that righteousness that comes from God. Righteousness, you know what, you can't be righteous in your own. It's impossible for you to be righteous in your own. <clears throat> now, this verse <clears throat> greatly impacted a man called Martin Luther. And Martin Luther <clears throat> was a man uh, <clears throat> that he was raised in a Catholic world and he, he, he lived as a Catholic and he joined a monastery because he, he had a burden of sin. And he was doing all the right things, but the burden wasn't going away. And he went to Rome, and he found Rome was wicked, and the burden didn't go away for him. His burden, he couldn't get rid of his burden. He couldn't ease his burden. He couldn't remove his burden, no matter what he did. He couldn't get rid of this burden uh, of sin. <clears throat> but you know what he did? He came to this verse, and he settled on this verse in Romans. <clears throat> the just shall live by faith. And the Spirit of God opened his eyes, and he saw a reality. And the reality was, it wasn't about him being good, it was about him trusting in the goodness of rewarding God. And when he caught, he caught it, and it ignited a fire in him. And the fire that it ignited in Martin Luther ignited the, the Reformation powerful movement that swept right across the world and people came to the place where they believed the just shall live by faith. The way to be saved is by faith. Now, <clears throat> it's a righteousness that comes from God. We don't have the righteousness that we need. Martin Luther knew it. <clears throat> we don't have that righteousness that comes from God. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the reformers had a term for it. They called it alien righteousness. Now, alien is something from somewhere else that I haven't got. I need it, but I haven't got it. It comes from somewhere else. That alien righteousness that God gives is what saves. And it comes by faith. Um, <clears throat> secondly, the righteousness from God is received only by faith. Only by faith. Uh, the word righteousness comes from the courtroom of the ancient world. It means to declare not guilty and to declare someone innocent of all charges. If you're righteous in God's eyes, you can stand before him and be declared not guilty. Right? But it comes only by faith. There's no other way for, for, for us to receive it. Um, can, the righteousness that God has received only by faith. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know that there's no righteous person in the whole world? Absolutely non-zero. Now you may look at some people and you may think, they're righteous. They're good and holy people. But the reality is, the verse is saying there, all of sin have come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> Everybody has done. There is none righteous, verse 10 says, no, not one. Nobody who's righteous. Absolutely nobody. Um, <clears throat> it's impossible for a human being to be righteous. And you can look at people, and you can think about it, and you can imagine, but they're not righteous. You say, well, hang on a minute, Pastor. I'm saved. I'm righteous. 
No, you're not righteous. Christ is righteous. And what God sees when he looks at you is not your righteousness. You know, we often go through the idea of, you know, if you stood before the gates of heaven and St. Peter opened the gate to you and he said, why should I let you in? And you have to give your answer. Why would he let you in? That's not what happens. And there is no answer. When Peter opens or whoever opens the gates of heaven and looks at it, they don't see Jesus, you don't get in. That's it. You see, it's not our righteousness, it's his righteousness, and only his righteousness that saves. There's, there's, there's no other way. There's no other way for us to be saved apart from his righteousness. <clears throat> and this righteousness only comes by faith. How, how, how are you going to be righteous in God's eyes? How are you going to be saved? Well, you've got to come to the place where you trust in him, where you put your faith in him. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, as any man should boast. It's through faith. It's through depending upon what God did. It's through coming to the place where you depend upon him and what he did. Right? <clears throat> and um, Martin Luther, by the way, found it from this verse. It's coming to the place where you depend upon him and him alone. You see, Here's what Luther was doing. Luther was trying to do all the things that made for righteousness. All the things that made him look good in his own eyes and all the things that he thought were going to make him right in God's eyes, but the burden wouldn't go away. See, the burden can't go away because it's only by faith. It's only by faith. It's only by trusting in him. You see, <clears throat> we have a big problem with this because deep down inside of us, we have this thing going on. We think God does deals, don't we? You know, when we look back at the other verse, you know, well, I can do a deal with God, right? You know, I've done, I've done wrong. I want to do a deal with God and make him do what I want him to do. God doesn't do deals. I mean, when it comes to salvation, you know, we think, okay, I'll make a deal with God. I'll make a deal with you, God, okay? All right, I've, I've done wrong. But I'll tell you what, from now on, I will do good. I will do everything I know to be right, and I will make things right. And so, <clears throat> Lord, and, and I want you to use it to kind of clear off my old debt. I want you to hear to use it to it doesn't work that way. It's impossible for you to cleanse yourself for you to be righteous. It's impossible. It's, it wouldn't matter if you lived to be 150 years old, you could never make yourself righteous. It's by faith and by faith alone. That's the glorious truth that Luther found out. He tried and tried and tried and he couldn't and then he trusted. And it happened. It's by faith. It's by faith alone. <clears throat> Third, uh, the righteousness of the gospel, <clears throat> in the gospel, men and women are declared just in the eyes of God. Men and women are declared to be just. Romans 10.3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And that's kind of a complicated verse. It's dealing with the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel went about their own righteousness. Right? You ask the, you ask the, 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 the Jewish man, uh, the Orthodox Jewish man back in that time and even in today's time, you ask him, is he trying to be righteous? He's saying yes. I, I am doing. I, I, I keep this law, and I keep this law, and I keep a kosher home, and I do this. I, I'm doing everything I know to do to be righteous. I'm doing everything. I, it's possible. And if, if, if he's honest and, and really in tune spiritually, and you say to him, Well, are you achieving it? He'll say, At best, I don't know. 
I'm not sure. I definitely don't feel righteous. Because he's trying to achieve righteousness by himself. Now, <clears throat> now and, and the problem God says in that verse is that they're trying to achieve their own righteousness and they haven't submitted unto the righteousness of God. They're going about it the wrong way. They're going about it the wrong way. You know, <clears throat> listen, you might have money in the bank over there, right? <clears throat> That's kind of nice you have money in the bank. But we'll say it's Sunday afternoon and you want money and, um, you know, you go over to the bank over there and you bash in the front doors and you go in, you get behind the till and you try and find the till and you try and get your money out because it's your money. They're going to put you in prison. You say, but I only want my own money out of it. And you're going about it the wrong way. That's not how you get your money out of the bank. They're going to put you in prison. They're going to, they're going to arrest you and they're going to put you in prison because you know what, you're breaking into a bank and you're stealing you know what? The nation of Israel were going about righteousness the wrong way. Many people today are going about being righteous the wrong way. They're trying to be righteous. They're trying to do it. They're trying to get it right. They're trying to live right and be right and um, show themselves to be right in God's eyes and in the world's eyes and in their own eyes. And you can't do it. In order for somebody to be righteous, they have to come to the place where they say, <clears throat> I can't do this impossible. I'll, I'll never be able to do it. I'll never be able to actually get myself to the place where I'm righteous. You've got to come to that place where you say that. Louis Berry Schaefer said this. He said <clears throat> uh, that believing in Jesus means trusting him so much that if he can't take you to heaven, you aren't going there. That's, that's what it means, coming to the place where I can't do it. I'm not, I, I can't make it. I, it's impossible. I give up. I give up on my own efforts. If he can't get me to heaven, I'm never going to get there. And that's the truth of it. We've got to come to the place where we're all washed up on our own efforts and we can't do it. It's impossible. The righteousness that we want, <clears throat> the being declared righteous in God's eyes, the righteousness that we want has to be his righteousness. There's no way we can do it. And we have to go about it the right way. But Romans 10.4 gives us a glorious truth. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Christ is the end of it. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. He's not the beginning of righteousness, by the way. He's the end of the law for righteousness. He's all of it. So when I come to the place where I, rec where, where, where I come to the place where I can't do this, it's impossible, I'm not able, and I finally come to the place where I put my trust in Him, I am made righteous before Him. Instantly. My life may have some catching up to do, but when God looks at me, He sees David O'Gorman, looks in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and... <clears throat> That's who I am. When I stand before him, uh, as far as getting into heaven, that's who he's going to see. If you're born again this morning, that's what he's going to see. If you're not born again, this is a terribly grim truth. But you can try every day for the rest of your life to be righteous. You can go to mass or church or synagogue or, <clears throat> or, or wherever you like every day. You can keep all the rules. You can try to do good. You can, you can do all of it. You're going to die in your sins and be rejected because you can't make your own righteousness. 
It's his righteousness. And it's freely given to those who are willing to stop trusting in themselves and start trusting in him. You might say, Pastor, I've spent my whole life trying to be good. Everybody thinks I'm righteous. If it's not his righteousness, you're not. It's the only possible way. See, Martin Luther <clears throat> lived a life doing right, but he was honest enough to admit it wasn't working. He wasn't righteous. He would admit that to himself. Now, you know what? We need to admit that to ourselves. If you're here this morning coming to LifeGate Bible Baptist Church and you're thinking, you know what, I'm checking the boxes. I am going to do right. And it's part of your righteousness that's getting you into heaven. I am so sorry. It can't. That's not the function of a church. Any church, it doesn't matter. We can't make you righteous. We can introduce you to the one who will not make you righteous, but give you his righteousness. But we can't make you righteous. You've got to come to the place where you bow before him and you trust him as your savior. And in order for you to do that, you've got to get honest with yourself. <clears throat> Somebody said that uh, the person who says they have a clear conscience is suffering from uh, a poor memory. I think a lot of people suffer from a poor memory. A lot of people say, you know, <clears throat> I don't do anything wrong. Yes, you do. Be honest. You've got to come to the place where you recognize your need. And then you've got to call out to the one who promises to save you. <clears throat> and a savior is somebody who comes in when you can't save yourself. If I can do it myself, I don't need a savior, do I? Just get on with it. But because I can't do it myself, I need a Savior. And that's what Jesus is. He's a Savior. And he comes in to say, you've got to come to the place where you see it and you recognize the just shall live by faith. Let me read you <clears throat> about <clears throat> Martin Luther. Uh, this is written by his son, his youngest son after his father died. He said, in the year 1544, my late dearest father, in the presence of us all, narrated the whole story of his journey to Rome he acknowledged with great joy that in that city, through the Spirit of Jesus Christ, he had come to the knowledge of the truth of the everlasting gospel. It happened this way. As he repeated his prayers in the Lateran staircase, the words of the prophet Habakkuk came suddenly to his mind, the just shall live by faith. Thereupon he ceased his prayers, returned to Wittenberg, and took this as the chief foundation of all of his doctrine. The just shall live by faith. And... In a dark, dark day, God lit a light in a man that spread light all over the world. That, that, that did a major work. Sola fide, faith alone. You can't be righteous in yourself. It's impossible. It doesn't come about by obedience to the church. It doesn't come about by human righteousness. It doesn't come about by baptism. It doesn't come about by good intentions. It doesn't come about by the sacraments. It doesn't come about by acts of charity. Faith alone plus nothing else. I wonder this morning, is that what you're trusting in to get you to heaven? Nothing of you. All of him. Because that's the only way any of us are getting to heaven. That's the only way any of us are getting to be righteous. I wonder this morning if you're a believer. <clears throat> and you're
and you know, and you've gotten sideswiped like so many do. The place where you're trusting in your righteousness. Yeah, you're saved, and you couldn't save yourself, and you know that, but you come to the place where you're living in that grim awful, hard place of doing right and living right because you have to be righteous. Because it's not that way. The just shall live by faith. It's by depending upon Him. It's by depending upon Him, trusting Him, and obeying Him. And you look around and you realize, you know what, I'm righteous. Not because I'm good, but because of His work in my life. That, that, that's, what, that's what he wants. That's what we want. And it's by faith. It's by trusting in him. Let's stand. <clears throat> and let me just put two thoughts in your mind and then we'll go to prayer. Are you genuinely saved? Have you genuinely come to the place in your life where you're trusting what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on a cross to save you? Not your good works. Not your church going. Not your baptism. Not the fact that you give money. Him. He did it. I have nothing else to cling to except the cross. Jesus, he saved me. If you're not there, today would be a great day for you to get there. Today would be a great day for you to bow your head and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I deserve hell. But you said you'd save and I'm trusting what you did. Lord, save me. You say that's way too simple. That's what the Bible says, and that's the truth. He will say, he will do it if you would cry out to him right now. And then if you're a believer this morning and you're <clears throat> struggling, doing it yourself and failing and maybe even giving up, listen, the just shall live by faith. You can't. He can. Trust him. Depend upon him. Obey him. Do the next right thing. And you can trust him to take care of you and to work it out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these people. Now, Lord, I pray that you would work deep in hearts and lives. And, Lord, that we would not just hear the word and let it float on by, but that, Lord, we would let the word have its impact in our hearts. Lord, for that one that needs to be saved this morning, Lord, may today be the day. And for that one that needs to give up their own striving and trust you as a child of yours to make them righteous, to help them live your way, Lord, would you bless them too. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let me just ask you to respond. You're here this morning and you know you need to be saved. Maybe you just ask God to save you. Uh, would you just lift your hand? Anybody here? You know you need to come to that place where you trust in him. Just, just lift your hand. Anybody at all? Amen. Amen. Anybody else this morning? All right, you can put them down. One other question. You're here as a believer. And you're trying in your own strength to get it right and finding it's not working. And instead of you getting out of the hole, the hole's getting deeper. But this morning the Spirit of God has said to you, the just shall live by faith. Trust me. Would you lift your hands? Amen. 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 Father, bless. Let it be real. Let it go deep in hearts and lives, we pray.